You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Grab your Bibles now and turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. We're going to be studying the first eight verses of the second chapter of Titus. And as we work through this message, the title of today's study is Working Together. Working Together, if you are taking notes. And you know very well by now that Titus is one of the three pastoral epistles that Paul wrote. He wrote two to Timothy and this one to Titus. And as Paul wrote to Titus, he wrote it as Titus was there left on the island of Crete. And he was left there by the Apostle Paul to set things in order, things that were lacking there in the churches. And in chapter 1, as we spent the past two Sundays in Titus chapter 1, we saw that the first thing that was lacking that Titus needed to address and set in order was godly leadership there on the island of Crete. There in the churches, there, were ne- there was a need for overseers, for pastors, for elders to be set up and appointed there so as to operate and oversee those churches. And Paul, as he tasked Titus with doing so, he also gave a list of standards there in chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, for Titus to adhere to as he appointed those elders. Along with these qualifications to be adhered to, there was also a task at hand for Titus himself and also by default for the elders he would be appointing, and that was to deal with some false teaching that had come into the church. There were those who were coming in and sharing a Jesus plus type of gospel who were there turning over a lot of people, discouraging them from their newfound faith in Jesus Christ by saying, hey, it's great that you've found the Lord, but you need to to adhere to the law of Moses, circumcision, and the dietary standards, or you're not actually standing in righteousness. And that was a bummer if you were a new believer to hear that and to experience that teaching. And Paul writes to Titus, and what did he say last week? He said, rebuke them sharply. He said, Titus, there are false teachers. You deal with them by sound doctrine. And Titus, as he was called to appoint the leaders there in Crete, That would also be a task that was there for them as well. And setting up godly leadership was, of course, the first step in building a sound church that was there on the island of Crete. And it is also what we, as we desire to be a sound church, need today as well. The church today needs sound, godly leadership that is sound by applying sound doctrine to their lives. And along with godly leadership, there is a need for a facilitating of discipleship and also faithful stewardship stewardship within the body as well. And today we are going to be looking in chapter 2 at the second part of a sound church, and that is a facilitating of discipleship. As today Paul is going to be writing to Titus to there speak with sound doctrine to the church and to all within the church, because when it comes to discipleship, all are involved. Everyone within the church has a part to play, and today Paul is going to exhort Titus to exhort the body to do just that. So with that, if you will, pick up with me in verse 1 of Titus chapter 2 as we read together a portion of our text. Where Paul says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, 
reverence, temperance, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, and obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. And Father, I thank you for your presence and your being with us as we as the body gather together. And I thank you, God, that we can today freely gather together. I thank you that, Lord, we can be here, and Lord, as we have time now to get into your word, I pray that, Lord, we would turn our complete and total attention to you, and that we would allow you to speak into our lives as your word has something for each of us. And Lord, I pray that today all of us would realize that we have a part to play within the body, that we all have a call according to your word to live according to your word. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would be our teacher that you would lead us, that you would guide us, and that you would help us today to understand the things that you would have us to understand and apply. And Lord, we ask for your help in this, and we can ask that expectantly because, Lord, you promised to meet with us as we seek you out. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as the Apostle Paul has been writing to Titus, you may have noticed that he is all about lists and contrast between character and uh, character and 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 people within the body of Christ. We saw this, of course, with the qualifications for leaders. He lists out there the qualifications, and he also, by contrast, lists out what to look for when it came to the false teachers that were plaguing the church. And much in the same spirit of thought, we see Paul start chapter 2 with a contrast of how Titus should be compared to the false teachers that were present in that day. We ended last week with verse 16 of chapter 1, where Paul says of those false teachers that they profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. And we know that this was originally a letter without these chapter breaks. And so this would have directly just gone from what is chapter 1 into chapter 2. And Titus would have seen this stark contrast. As there, Paul says to him, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. And this is a popular phrase that Paul used throughout all three of the pastoral epistles. Some 16 times does he tell Timothy and Titus both to adhere to sound doctrine, to teach it, to live by it, to apply it to their own lives. And it's because sound doctrine is what the church is needing always. How the church has grown is by sound doctrine. And we've been saying this forever, and it's worth repeating forever, that the church grows and is as it should be as sound doctrine is taught. You don't grow as believers in a church that teaches the pastor's opinion or the pastor's feelings or however the pastor decides to talk as he got up that morning. The church grows as the Bible is taught. The church grows as the Bible is taught as sound, healthy doctrine is given because that's what we as believers need. We as believers need the Word of God. It is that which makes us complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Paul exhorts Titus there to teach by sound doctrine, to exhort on the onset of describing behavioral characteristics within the church and that the church should take on. 
Because sound doctrine, as it is being stuck to, is what the church would grow on and what the church on the broad scope and in the broad range, the broad age range, I should say, that the church would continue to be fed and grow on as well. What we're going to see today as we read through this section is Paul exhorting Titus to exhort the body by sound doctrine how to live in their place and stage of life. And no one is off the hook when it comes to this. This is an equal opportunity type of message that Paul is giving to Titus here. And he's giving it to Titus here because a mark of a healthy, sound church is a church that has a broad scope of age ranges within it. It isn't made up of just the old or the young. A healthy church is one that is multi-generational, that is age, that is aged, we'll put it that way, from the smallest one to the oldest one. That is the mark of a healthy church. And I'm so thankful just on the side that we here at Calvary Chapel, that's what we have. We have here those that are further along in years. I'm going to be very careful today. And those that are young in years. We are very blessed here to have so much life experience. We're so blessed here to have so much fresh young blood. And we together need, by sound doctrine, need to learn how to operate and work together. We need to learn that the old and the young are neither to be excluded from one another, but are to join and walk together in unison because the old have something to teach and the young need to listen. And the young have something to teach and the old also need to listen. Because we all together are called to work together and to walk together as the body of Christ. And we can all help with one another. We can all walk with one another. And Paul tells Titus that it is by sound doctrine that this is done. It's by sound doctrine. And as such, he then exhorts Titus to teach using sound doctrine every age group to live according to how they are called to live within the church body. And as such, he starts first there with the older men. And so do we. And he begins there saying that older men there in verse 2, saying that they are to first be sober, reverence, and temperate. The word sober there, your translation may say sober-minded. Well, it has to do with having a clear state of mind, of not having a clouded mind. It could be specifically dealing with alcohol in the original language, but it could also and should also be taken as to mean not being distracted, not being of a clouded mind, but having a clear mind and not having any type of outside distraction within the mind that clouds judgments. Reverent there could be translated dignified. It is to be a characteristic of an older man within the church that they should carry themselves with a maturity that is reverent, respectable, worthy of being looked up to. Temperate speaks of one who is self-controlled. That the older man should act in a self-controlled manner that has been learned from a life full of experience. A life that should be matured from how he once was to now how he is. He should be self-controlled. Simply put, out of these three characteristics that Paul lists here, a man who is older in years should conduct himself in accordance with his age. Should be one who is sober-minded, not given over to drunkenness, but keeps his mind clear and clean who carries himself in a manner and should be reverent and able to be looked up to. He should be temperate, self-controlled, not one who flies off the handle or just says whatever comes into his brain and others can just deal with it because he's the old guy, but he should be self-controlled. He should be reverent and temperate within his self, one who exhibits a pattern 
of clear, dignified, and controlled living that can be seen as an example to the church. And on this, it amazes me how I've had conversations before with older gentlemen, not necessarily within this church, but older men within the church at whole, the body of Christ, who think there's a certain point in time where you are off duty because you reach a certain age. Whether you're retired from your secular job or you've just reached this pinnacle of point in your age when you decide that, hey, you know what? I'm good. I'm just time to coast till I'm with Jesus. Please understand that that is never the case. The Bible teaches us that the men and women of God are called to be those who are always serving the Lord and will always be serving the Lord even when we are with Jesus, but specifically with older men. There's this point in which your mind may switch to saying, well, I can do, eat, drink whatever I want, say whatever I want, however I want to say it, because I've earned it. I've done my time. And this, understand again, is in stark opposition to what the Bible says. This is in stark opposition to what the Bible says, because our pursuit of the Lord, again, is always and forever. It's always to be something we are looking to and walking in until we are with the Lord. And then the Bible shows us we're just going to continue to learn the Lord as we get older. And so you older men in the room today, understand that in this world, living for yourself and for the flesh, when you're older, that's stopping too soon. That's putting on the brakes when you should be continuing to put the accelerator on. You don't have to drive as fast as us younger people do. Most of you don't. But you don't need to stop. You don't need to quit too soon because there are those, myself included, who are looking up to you, who are watching and looking for that example. And this call to be sober, reverent, and temperate, I love what Paul does here. Because he shows there next that they should be sound in faith and love and in patience. And it's this, the presence of these three characteristics that lend themselves to an older man being the man that he should be. That word for sound used here is the same that Paul uses to speak of doctrine. And it could be translated healthy there in the text. And so the older man is to be sound or healthy in his faith in his love, and in his patience. Sound in faith, of course, means that he is holding fast to his faith, that he's continuing to trust in the Lord every single day, that his faith, his relationship with the Lord is a living thing. He's real and active. And an active, healthy relationship with the Lord, well, that should produce godly love. The word for love there is agape. It should also produce sound or healthy patience. And that word for patience there is not just this passive patience. In the Greek, it's the word hupomone. And this is speaking of a, an active patience. Again, it's not, all right, I've hit the mark. I'm this age, time to chill and just wait to die. It's continuing on until you're with the Lord. It's walking always. This active patience of saying, I am with my Savior here, and I'll be with him one day, and I'm going to serve him on both planes. You older men in the room, again, don't stop too soon because there are many who are watching you. I myself, many other young men are watching you here in this room. So keep going. Paul there exhorted Titus to speak to them in that way, again, using sound doctrine. It's by sound doctrine that we're called to operate. And he moves from the older men, and now he puts it on Titus to really grow up and exhort the older women as well. 
And he says to the older women, likewise, or in the same manner as the older men, teach them by sound doctrine. And he says first to be reverent in behavior. That the older woman, women are to be reverent in behavior, to carry themselves in a manner that reflects holiness, in a manner that shows as the older men were to be showing an active and real relationship that was impacting their lives, even in their later stage of life. And it should show how they walk and carry themselves both inside and outside of the church. And then Paul exhorts Titus to speak on two negative areas within the older women's life, where he says that they are not to be slanderers or drunkards, exhorting them by sound doctrine to not be slanderers or those given to much wine, that he says. Now, that word slanderers there, it could be translated, and this again is the Bible talking, not me, devils. That older women can act as devils, sneaky, slandering, sneaky ladies who do nothing but speak ill of others, who gossip, who slander, who go around and share things in a way that tears others down. And Paul says that, hey, older women are not to be such. Also, to not be those who, are, who filled their life and their time with alcohol. There, contextually and historically for Crete, this was an issue. As older ladies there, historically on the island of Crete, were known as drunkards. They were known as those who would dwell long over the cup. And so, Paul says, exhort them not to do so. Exhort them not to be given over to wine. And much in the same way, it goes for today because the Word of God is for today as well. That ladies, you, elder, you older ladies, and what, what category you fit into, you decide. I'm not going there for that one for sure. But you decide. And if you fall into that category, you are not to be one who is a slanderer. With the extra time that you may have on your hands because you're done working. Because you don't have a husband at home that you have to watch over. Or you don't have kids at home. Do you spend your time there filling it with the things of the Lord or filling it with the things of this world, filling it with every opportunity that you get to get on Facebook or to make a phone call or send a text message or an email whenever you hear the juicy tidbit of something, or do you find the time to meet up with your ladies for the next wine night to share whatever it is that's on your heart and mind so as to talk about it? Paul would exhort the elder women and exhort Titus to exhort them as well. To say, hey, that's not to be what you're about. To not be speaking about bad things or evil things. But what does he say? To be teachers of good things. They aren't to be slanderers and drunkards, but they are to be teachers of good things. Notice it says they're admonishing the young women. Paul, as he writes to various churches, he makes it very clear, both in the pastoral epistles and in other letters to churches, that women are not to be pastors or, or, or elders within the church, but they are called to teach other women. And here, Paul definitely tells Titus, hey, exhort the older women to be those that are teaching the younger women, to be those that are admonishing, that are encouraging them to walk in this life as godly women. And if you fall, again, into this category of being an older gal here in this church, I would encourage you to heed this exhortation. Because there are many, just in the same way that there are many young men looking up to older men to see an example of what a godly man looks like, there are many gals who need a godly woman to come alongside them. 
I know my own wife has, has experienced this in many ways, where she has had an older gal come alongside and just say, hey, let's go get coffee. Can I call you? Can we text? Can I just let you come over and let your kids run in the backyard and you take a nap? Like my wife has benefited from things of that in so many ways. And so if you are an older lady, or better yet, if you're just in a more advanced life stage, if you're an older parent and you see a younger gal with young kids, you've been there. Maybe reach out to her. Maybe take her to coffee. Maybe pray, pray about how the Lord can use you and guide you to speak into their life. Because that's part of what the church needs. The church desperately needs that. Paul moves on, and so do we, from the older now to the young. And this lady's first this time. As he links in there in verse 4, that the older women are to admonish the young women. And he says that they are to their, love their husbands and their children, to be teaching them how to love their husbands and how to have a healthy, friendly relationship with them. And understand that that word for love there, it's not the word agape. It's the word that has the root word of love for phileo, meaning that it's a word of companionship, that the young women are not to just love their husbands, but are to have a relationship with their husbands. And contextually, this would have been a big deal for that culture because it wasn't in the same way that we marry here. Here we marry after we find the one and guys, we, we, you know, we, we put on our best foot forward and then we trick her into saying yes, and then it actually happens. That's not the case when in that culture, in that culture, marriages were arranged. And so who the gal got was who she got because her family decided that's what was going to be. And so Paul says, hey, by sound doctrine, exhort the older there to speak to the younger how to love their husbands, how to have a relationship with their husbands, how to be friends with their husbands, how to have a healthy, growing relationship with them. And then also to have that right relationship with their children, to their disciple and grow their kids, to have the type of relationship that they needed. Then he says to be discreet, to be chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. That word discreet there speaks of being temperate or sober-minded. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but this is a theme so far through all of the age groups. That the older men, the older women in their reverence, and here the younger women in their discreetness are to be those that are sober-minded that it would be those that are sober and they should desire to carry oneself with a clarity of mind that exemplifies and shows that they are a follower of the Lord. He says they're to be chaste. This speaks of a young woman's relationship with her husband, that she is to be chaste or pure, having only her heart and eyes for him, that she isn't to be looking for companionship or for encouragement that leads her mind to want another, but she is to be chaste in their only for her husbands. Homemaker, meaning that the young woman should see a call to contribute to the home life, that she has a role in her home of making the home a safe and inviting place for her husband and for her kids. It is to be a place where the kids can grow and be discipled and learn about the Lord. And understand, ladies, that this is not just to be taken for women who are able to stay at home, nor is it to be a condemnation for you ladies who work outside of the home. I think the church does a horrible job of putting a trip on women who aren't able to stay home or who choose to work. I think that what needs to be approached and how it needs to be approached is you pray and see how the Lord 
leads your family. And how he leads your family, you go that way. You be obedient to the Lord. If it's to stay home, stay home. If it's to work, work. But regardless, to be a homemaker is the call. And you walk in obedience to that. And lastly, he says that they are to be obedient to their own husbands, recognizing they are the God-ordained order that is meant to be seen in the home, where there the husband is the head of the house, meant to lead and love his wife as Christ loved the church. That's on us, guys. So that's speaking to us here, the little you know, plug within a plug that men are called to lead their home well. We're supposed to follow Jesus and love our wives as Christ loved the church so as to present her a spotless bride there to the Lord. And as we lead her well, she is there to respect her husband. And Titus was to exhort by sound doctrine, this would be seen in the homes, in the church there on the island of Crete. And this call is the call for our homes as well. And the reason Paul there gives at the tail end of verse 5, he says that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Meaning that as this is happening, That as the home life, as the marital life is there displayed for the public to see within godly homes, within the church, that the world looking looking inward to the church wouldn't be able to say, okay, yeah, the Bible says this, but I see how you're living. So you don't believe what you're actually reading. You're not applying what you're actually hearing. And Paul says, this is why. By sound doctrine, exhort so that the outside world doesn't have any reason to blaspheme. Is your life lined up with the Word of God to where when the world looks inward, they can say, oh man, they're actually going with what they preach. They actually go with what they say they believe. Paul moves from the young women now to the young men in verse 6, and we pick back up in the word there, where he says, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Here, Paul speaks again directly to Titus, and he gives him notice only one thing for the young men there. And this one thing that Titus is meant to exhort the young men to, it's an all-encompassing area. Paul's like, this, this will just get them right where they're at. They don't need a long list. They wouldn't read it anyway. So here's what you do right here, buddy. It's to be sober-minded. Paul tells Titus to exhort the younger men to be sober-minded. And again, this is translated, uh, you know, could be translated by self-control, clear-minded. And it's an exhortation that has now been given to, again, every single age bracket. And the younger men, this is, as I said, an all-encompassing exhortation for them. Paul is saying, teach the young guys just to think things through. Just to not be dumb, quite honestly, because young guys, we can quite honestly be pretty dumb. He says there, hey, let them exhort them to have a clear mind, to use their brains, to not act on impulse, to seek the Lord, to be thinking things through and to think on how they could work. Think of the consequences of their action, to have a clear mind, to not be distracted, to not be always thinking on things of the world, but to have a clear, sober mind that's focused on the Lord. And as they do so, hey, They'll walk the way they're supposed to. But notice what he did with Titus. He gave him one thing to exhort them to, but then he put it on Titus to lead by example. He gave one thing to Titus to exhort the young guys through to because he knew that they, that's all that they could handle. But then he says, Titus, this one's on you, buddy. 
a young guy himself, he says there to Titus to be an example, a pattern of good works in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility, sound speech that couldn't be condemned. As he's there called to give an example, the word that Paul uses is the word pattern. In the Greek, it's the word tupas. And it's where we get our English word type. And it's originally spoke of an impression that was made by a die. Think typewriter. Think stamp. My dad does leather work. And it's amazing to see what my dad can do. Uh, he's made a wallet. You know, he's made wallets for years. He's made all kinds of things, just different stuff. I've got a wallet that he, that he made me when I was in high school that I still carry. It'll probably last through anything and everything. But it's amazing the tooling that he puts on there. And as he does things, he, he uses a mallet and, and, a, and a, a, a stamp and he hammers into to cut and to, make, and to make cuts and patterns within the leather. And it's amazing to watch him do this. And it's amazing to see the permanence of what that stamp leaves within the leather. And that here is the same type of idea that Paul is speaking to Titus about. He says here, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, but then show them what that looks like. He says, teach them to live sober-minded, but then you walk that out for them. He says, let your life be a pattern of good works. What you preach, practice. What you say, hey, live it out, because they're watching you, buddy. They're watching after what you're doing. They're seeing what you're, how, how what you speak in the pulpit, how you're living that out in your daily life. So show them what that means. Again, so that nothing can come against it. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Paul there exhorts Titus that by sound doctrine, he's to exhort the older men, the older women, the young women, and the young men. And in all of it to live it out. In all of it to show himself a pattern of the good works. In all that he's speaking, in all of the doctrine, the sound speech that cannot be condemned and that find no corruptibility within it, that he is to walk it out and live a life according to what he's teaching. And my friends, this was an ex exhortation for Titus there on the island of Crete. But for us here today, this is an exhortation that's again across the board for us. All of us are lumped in here because we all fit into one of those age brackets. We all fit into the older or the younger category, and we are to see the Word of God there written to us to exhort us and lead us and guide us in this life. And understand that we need each other to hear what's being said by the Word and apply it to our lives accordingly. What life stage that you're in today is the life stage that you're in. Where you're at is where you're at, and where you're at physically right now is at Calvary Chapel, Paris. You're part of the body of Christ. We are all together part of the body, but you are here part of this local body. And we all can look around the room and see, and we're familiar with one another, and we are called to be there for one another, to work together, to help one another as we fit into what the Word says us to fit into. Please understand today that if you're older, that there are those that are looking up to you. Understand today, you older men, there are young men who are looking up to you. Are you walking in accordance with how the Word of God is instructing you to do, or have you stopped too soon? 
Have you put the brakes on because you said, well, I did my time in the secular world or even in the church. I've done this. I've arrived, so I'm good. Have you stopped too soon? Can I exhort you, if you have, to start that engine back up? If you've stopped too soon, understand that the body is suffering because of it. You older gals in the room, what does your life look like within and without the church, without, out of the church? Is it a life of walking in reverence, a life walking, showing a pattern of good works before the Lord, seeing with an active relationship how he wants you to teach and encourage, or is it filled with slander and gossip? Is with free time that you have your mind clouded with other things, whether it be slander and gossip or alcohol or substance or things that have no benefit. If that's the case, can I ask you to ask yourself, what good is that doing for anybody, for yourself and for those younger women that are looking up to you? You young women in the room, hear what Paul exhorts Titus to. Are you walking in line with that? Do you have a mind that is sober, that is walking, that is looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I want you to guide me, I want you to lead me, and that trickling down into every part of your life? If there was an older gal to come alongside and encourage you, would you be open to that? Would you be accepting of the wisdom they have, or would you say, ah, no, times have changed? That's not how women are to be anymore. That's old. You're old. Get away from me. That's the women talking, not me. But young guys, it goes for us too. Because as standoffish as a young gal may be to an older gal, we're much more prideful and we know that. There's no denying that. We don't want the old guy to come in and tell us that, hey, you're doing it wrong, buddy. You're not stepping up and showing up. Because times have changed for guys too. But understand that the word of God is for every one of us. And us young guys can learn a whole lot from the old ones. We can learn a whole lot on how to walk with the Lord, of seeing a pattern of what walking and living with a mind that is clear looks like. Because us young guys, we don't have a clear mind pretty often. We pretty often just kind of go, some more so than others, but that's pretty much a trait of all of us. And we do well to look to the older ones, for example, and to be open to that wisdom. But all of us need to understand that just in the same way that Titus was to be a pattern, a type to imprint on all, because it was all, it was specifically to the young, but he imprinted on all of them. So too are we called to do that as the church in this world. In whatever age bracket you find yourself in, understand that what the Bible calls you to live and how he calls you to live, hey, that's for you. But we're all called to be those that have the word of God imprinted on our lives that we walk out in this world. We are to be, James says, just hearers of the word, but doers. And to let the word of God imprint on our lives to where we walk it out and live it out every single day of our lives, both in here and out there. And so today, wherever you fall as the church and your age or whatever it is like that, hey, read and apply as is according to you. Pray and seek the Lord. See how you're walking. See how you're working. And then Let the Lord guide you accordingly. But all of us need to know that the word of God is for us. And it's not just for us to hear. It's not just for us to be taught it and to be done checking the box for Sunday and going out into the world looking for that Mexican food. 
but it's for us to say, you know what, Lord, this is your word for my life, and I want it imprinted on me. I want it to be shown to the world, because understand that you are a living sermon, that you are a living sermon. How the word is speaking to you and how you're allowing it to shape your life, that speaks to your coworker, to your neighbor, to your family, to your friends. That speaks volumes, and it speaks way louder than me standing up here by myself. Again, I get to come here every single week, and I get to study the Word of God and stand in front of you and teach, but then we together get to go out into the world together and show how the Word of God is impacting us and imprinting on us. And we have a wide, wide, wide scope in this town because we have you guys going to different places and spaces that I can't go to. And together, we are to be those that are saying, Lord, your word is for me. I want to hear it. I want to apply it. And I want to walk it out and show it. And so today, where you're at, do your part. There's those that are watching you. You older, we can learn from you who are younger. Help us. Us younger, let's listen and let's work and let's walk together because we'll be old one day too. And then those that are in the next room over, they'll be looking to us. But let's all together let the word of God not fall in our ears today and just that be it. Let's let it fall in our hearts and stay there so we can walk it out in this life and show it to the world. Let's pray.